Welcome to the Gymnast Nutritionist Podcast, a free resource for gymnast parents and coaches to learn to fuel the gymnast for optimal performance and longevity in the sport. I'm your host, Christina Anderson, and I'm a pediatric and adolescent registered dietitian, sports nutritionist, a former gymnast, a current nationally rated gymnastics judge, and a wife plus dog mom. I help gymnasts and their parents learn to fuel without the stress or overwhelm so that they can reach their big goals and dreams both in and out of the sport. We want to help parents take a proactive approach to nutrition, and to do so, this podcast is all about hashtag real talk, where we tackle tough subjects about nutrition, body image, and more in the sport of gymnastics. All right, let's dive in. You're listening to episode 50 of the Gymnast Nutritionist Podcast. Hello and welcome back. It's Christine Anderson, your host, and pediatric adolescent registered dietitian sports nutritionist, also known as the gymnast nutritionist. So today I have a little bit different of an episode for you. Um, Honestly, just kind of more my thoughts and reflections on um, various conversations that I've been having with our clients and their parents recently. And that's all about how do you feed your gymnast and your family at the same time without feeling like a short order cook without feeling like a referee and without feeling like you're going to lose your mind. And I think there's kind of several things we need to talk about here. Um, I imagine that this will be probably the first in maybe a series of episodes on this topics, probably dependent on your feedback, but I just wanted to share with you some of my own thoughts and philosophies I have on the subject that obviously not all of this will work for your family. Every family is different. Every child is different. Um, but just some kind of more general observations about some of the struggles that parents face when they're trying to feed their gymnasts and themselves, you know, plus their other children who may or may not be athletes, obviously, you know, different genders need different amounts of nutrition. Um, different developmental stages are not only different in terms of their nutrition needs, but also kind of how we handle nutrition, how we talk about it, the amount of responsibility that we give them. So I think the first thing to just clarify, and I think most of us know this, but sometimes we forget, especially when we're planning meals and we're cooking things, but it's important to note that what we need as parents is different than our kids. It's different than our kids. It's just different than our teens. Um, And I would say one of the biggest mistakes I see parents make is they feed their children what they feed themselves, which is often not enough in terms of calories. It's not enough in terms of carbohydrate. Um, And even from a satisfaction perspective, that's something that we talk a lot about in our course and in our program and my one-on-one counseling, because satisfaction in our eating is a really important way for us to listen to our bodies and to listen to our hunger and fullness And satisfaction in and of itself is very individual, you know, and I think a perfect example of this is when I'm working with a parent who has a gymnast that they think is obsessed with certain foods with quote junk food or sugar or whatever, um, oftentimes parents will say, and they feel kind of defensive, which I don't blame them, but they'll say, but I do give her sugar or I do give her fun foods. And then they kind of rattle off. Like I have this in the house, you know, she's allowed to have this. And I'm like, Hey, I get that. And you know, what you're telling me honestly sounds, you know, sufficient for myself, but satisfaction and the perception is totally individual. And if for some reason your gymnast is feeling restricted, then what you think as a parent in terms of giving them enough 
in terms of, you know, access and frequency to the fun foods, for example, it may just not be enough for them in this stage, especially if they're kind of recovering from um, not having enough access and having to go through this kind of learning or kind of honeymoon phase, so to speak, of what we call really habituation or, or getting used to having those foods around more and then being able to calm down around them. I think the other thing is really you know, relevant to the gymnast is not enough carbohydrate at the meal. And a lot of times when I'm working with families and we're talking about, you know, Hey, what'd you make for dinner last night? It's like steak and asparagus or, you know, chicken tenders and a salad or grilled chicken and green beans. And I'm like, do you have a carbohydrate there? Like, do you have a starch? And sometimes it's like, Oh yeah, like a piece of garlic bread or, um, sometimes we do. And sometimes we don't. And it's like, cool. I get that. Right. I mean, as adults, we consume probably a lot of carbs in various ways, whether you you know consume alcohol or you like some sugar-sweetened beverages like in your coffee um, or just the, the cookies or treats or whatever you want. Like obviously we're getting carbohydrate through that. But for your gymnast, you know, even enjoying the fun foods with meals and snacks, they still do need a real portion of carbohydrate at their meals. And in my mind, that food category is really um, grains, starches, that kind of thing. Um, a great part of what we teach about in our course and program is we teach parents how to build plates based on the gymnast need, which is really determined by the intensity and the duration of the training. And that's kind of what dictates, um, what I call starter portions for the carbs, the protein and the fat. Obviously if a gymnast needs seconds, she gets seconds. If she needs thirds, she gets thirds. Um, but it's a great kind of starter portion to reflect what she's doing in the gym and what her training demands are. So kind of on that vein, I think it's important for all of us, all of us to also remember that what your children need is going to vary, right? It's going to vary based on their ages, based on their preferences, based on their gender, based on their activity level. And that's why I really love to teach parents what's called the division of responsibility. And this was created by a really smart dietitian therapist named Ellen Satter, And it's essentially kind of a model of feeding your family and feeding your children where, um, in short, the division of responsibility is, you know, the parent's job is to provide the what and the when in terms of food. And it's the child's job to choose if and how much they're going to eat. And so, you know, one way to employ this at meals would be to serve the meal family style. That way your children or teens can kind of plate the amounts on their foods that they want, um, obviously with your guidance Um, and help, you know, as needed based on what's going on and certainly their age and developmental readiness. But serving at family style like that is also really helpful to teach them to self-regulate. I will say though, that while the division of responsibility is great in theory, um, sometimes it's not great in application. And then certainly for high-level gymnasts training 20 to 30 hours a week, there are a lot of times where if left to their own devices, they aren't actually eating enough to support their training, especially my elite track gymnast. And so that's where parents have to come in to support the gymnast and say, Hey, you know, I get that you're not hungry right now. You're about to go train for six hours. You know, I get that you're not hungry after practice because we know that exercise blunts the appetite, but this is a situation where we're going to use our nutrition knowledge to say, Hey, what you really need is X, um, to make sure that we're fueling your body. And so that's kind of where in my mind, the, the division of responsibility is not appropriate in that sense, because it can get a little bit more prescriptive, especially if you have a gymnast recovering from under fueling from reds, from an eating disorder, 
Um, or maybe you have a gymnast, you know, or another child that has specific medical needs, right? Maybe they have type one diabetes and you guys count and try to control their carbohydrate to control their blood sugar levels. And that is perfectly acceptable. Like you have to count carbohydrate in order to dose the insulin. And that is um, a life-saving medication for someone with type one diabetes who their pancreas does not make insulin anymore. Maybe you have a gymnast with a food allergy or multiple food allergies, which is um, very common in our practice. Um, and that's where, yeah, maybe what you eat and your family eats will be different than what they eat because, um, they can't eat it, right? Like they're not going to eat a peanut butter sandwich if they have a peanut allergy because they could have an anaphylactic reaction and die from it. So it wouldn't be appropriate to feed them that. I'll say though, where I think a lot of parents struggle and they tell me this and my heart just really goes out for them because it's really, really difficult. And and there's no, kind of one size fits all thing. And there's kind of no one fix it, but this is where, you know, maybe you have a child that's in a larger body and they are not your gymnast. And so you worry about, well, if I let my gymnast have the fun foods, or if I let them have seconds or thirds, or if I let them have, you know, bigger portions then their sibling sees that. And they also want the same kind of portions and the same amount of foods, because sometimes it has nothing to do with hunger. Sometimes it's more, it's competition. It's trying to get um, affirmation, especially if, you know, the gymnast is always getting attention and not, not necessarily on purpose, but just because they have a lot of needs, right? Like they have a lot of trainings, they have a lot of competitions, they have a lot of expenses. And so kind of a good example of this is Um, As a kid, I really struggled with my weight. I loved food. And I remember distinctly, I was probably maybe six, seven, eight years old and sitting at the dinner table. And my sister was a a decently picky eater. And she was picky. And then she also was kind of finicky in the sense of um, she wouldn't finish, you know, all of her food. But I don't know, my parents, they kind of pushed the issue for a while. And they had pushed the picky eating, which only backfired. Like my sister um, literally would make herself vomit at the table. Like if she didn't want to eat something, which Elizabeth, if you're listening to this, I love you. Um, anyways. And I remember, you know, watching her and I remember sitting there and looking at my plate and I remember finishing my plate, even being beyond comfortably full because it was a competition, right? I was the good child. I was the child that wasn't picky. I was the child that finished all my food. Meanwhile, my parents were sitting there harping at my sister to eat her vegetables, to eat her pasta, to finish her food. They were concerned about her. And at the time, you know, I didn't understand that that was actually a bad thing that by, you know, force feeding myself because it was a competition because I was trying to get affirmation in that way. Um, you know, I didn't realize that I was actually, you know, overeating. I was eating past my own fullness and what my body was trying to tell me. And I don't fault my parents because honestly, they had zero concept of this. Um, I know my parents grew up in the clean plate era and my you know grandmother grew up in the depression. Like I remember being at her house and she would get so mad at us if we would not finish our glasses of milk at dinner. And that was the same kind of thing. Like for her, it's, it's waste or waste. And I remember chugging that glass of milk no matter if I was hungry or not, because I didn't want to disappoint her, right? Like I loved my grandma and I could also, you know, understand where she was coming from, right? Of I didn't want to waste the food. And so I think there are so many different scenarios here, but I think it is really important to try to feed all of your children, um, 
I guess I want to say kind of as equally as possible, right? I mean, that's really where the division or responsibility comes in of like, hey, we're serving family style. Here's the protein. Here's the carb. Here's the color. Here's the whatever. Like you put on your plate what you need. And if you need seconds, great, get seconds. But I've had clients before where, you know, the gymnast is the super active one. She's training 20, 30 hours a week. There are other siblings in that household that may not even be athletes, or if they are, they're doing their sport, maybe one or two hours, a couple days a week. And when I tell the parents that it's okay for the gymnast to have the fun foods, which I mean, in fact, it's okay for all of all the children to have the fun foods, because if we over restrict, we know it's going to backfire. Um, they often really freak out on me and they push back because they're like, oh my gosh, I'm already concerned about my other children's weight, or I'm concerned about them eating this much sugar because they're not as active or whatever. Um, and sometimes parents even tell me, you know, yeah, like we don't keep certain things in the house anymore because, uh, the sibling eats too much of it, even though I'm like, well, wait a second, that actually could be a really helpful food for your gymnast. And I think this really gets into, um, the science, kind of the behavior psychology around, restriction. And we know that restricting or controlling food intake is actually associated with overeating and weight gain in children. Um, And it really comes down to human nature, right? Like we all want what we can't have. And so, you know, if you're allowing your gymnast to have the fun foods because you're not as worried about it, because you know how much energy she's burning at gym, but then you tell your other kids, they can't have those because they're not as active. You're probably going to create all sorts of binging and sneaking and hiding issues in your other children. So I think especially with the fun foods, you know, you need to buy enough for everyone to have some. And then if your gymnast does need more nutrition, which she probably does, that can come from the other foods, right? It can come from other foods that maybe aren't as exciting. It can come from liquid nutrition. And then it also can come from, you know, other times where maybe she's not even at home. You know, maybe she has an extra snack at school. She's got extra snacks post-workout. There's kind of other places where we could add in you know, kind of a several, several hundred calorie feeding somewhere to help meet her needs that doesn't kind of differentiate from the rest of the family so that they don't feel left out. But I also think it's appropriate to have a conversation of like, Hey, you know, we're all different. Our bodies are all different and that's okay. Right. We are all unique and what you need and what she needs, everything is different. So we're going to keep our eyes on our own plate. We're going to put the blinders on and we're going to make sure that we're just taking care of our own body. I think it's also really important to know that you need to watch your language with the food comments. I can't tell you how many times um, gymnasts start to struggle when people will comment on how much they eat. I mean, especially relatives, like older relatives, you know, they'll see them at holidays or just going out to eat. And usually it's someone older that they just don't know, but they'll be like, oh my goodness, I can't believe how much you're eating. Should you really be eating that much? And I think that's where kind of having some rehearsed (laughs) phrases or scripts as a parent to really quickly nip that in the bud is super important, especially, especially, um, before your gymnast really internalizes that because they may be eating what they need to, and they're healthy and they're successful, but it can only take one comment for them to then question themselves, um, and kind of freak out and think maybe they're doing something wrong. And so that's where you as a parent, um, not in front of the gymnast, but have a side conversation of, Hey, you know, I'd appreciate it if you you know, didn't talk about food or bodies in front of my children. It's just not something we talk about. Um, or even also just educating them of like, Hey, she literally is training 20 to 30 hours per week. That is four to five hours per day. Like, can you imagine working out for four to five hours per day doing gymnastics? No. Okay. Probably not. So 
please keep your comments to her to yourself because she needs hundreds, if not a thousand plus calories additional on top of everything else, plus growth, plus development, plus recovery, just to fuel her workout. So of course she is going to eat probably more than any adult in the room. And I think what's really interesting about food comments is just the, the gender discrepancies, right? I mean, I think it is so like culturally acceptable for older teenage boys, especially those in athletics, like football or soccer or whatever, especially if there are like particular positions that, um, I guess, how do I want to say this? People, people want bigger bodies, right? Like particular football positions or whatever, or just teenage boys trying to gain mass. Like it's so socially acceptable for them to eat you out of house and home for them to ask for seconds and thirds and extra snacks. And if anything, they're praised for eating more. And yet if a gymnast says that, um, people, you know, give it a second glance and may even make weird comments. And I hate that because gymnastics is one of the hardest sports there is. I would argue that it's harder than any other high school sport. And it's um, certainly harder than a lot of pro sports. And when you are feeding a growing child or adolescent gymnast, they can very easily need 3000 plus calories a day, which is, which is a lot. So just something for you to kind of think about as a parent. Um, I think the last thing, and this is a challenge that I know all parents face, especially in the school year is just having to feed everyone on different schedules. And we know from the research that family meals are so beneficial from a nutrition perspective, a health perspective, a mental health kind of social perspective. Um, But sometimes that's just not possible. I mean, I remember when um, I was in middle school and high school and gymnastics was really serious. I wouldn't get home till maybe, I don't know, seven, seven 30 o'clock at night. Uh, My sister was a competitive horse rider and she still does that to this day. And I think she would typically go home from the barn probably in time for dinner. So I think she and my parents would sit down and eat together, or maybe she and one parent, because then the other parent was probably picking me up. Um, And then I would eat later. And so, you know, we would eat as a family on the weekends when we could, and that was a really special time together. Um, But for sport parents, this is just the reality. And I think it's okay. I mean, I think if someone can eat with the gymnast, if one parent can eat with them, Um, I think that's great, A, because some supervision is always helpful, but B, also just social connection, I think is really helpful as well. Um, But again, I think you just have to do your best here, but that doesn't mean that your gymnast needs to be fed differently, right? Um, The worst thing you can do is, you know, put your gymnast on a diet, you know, you allow the other children or, you know, especially your boys, you allow them to eat certain foods or carbs or whatever, but your gymnast, you don't because you want them to be small and lean or whatever. Like that is not appropriate. Honestly, that is the fastest way to give your kid an eating disorder. And if anything, to um, cause your gymnast to start binging on certain foods because of the restriction. Um, And I tell people this all the time. I would say, you know, if you had to ask me, like, what is the biggest nutrition struggle you see in older gymnasts, especially um, high-level gymnasts trying to get college scholarships, trying to go elite. And I would say the number one form of disordered eating is the binge restrict cycle. And that often starts at a very young age where when these gymnasts are, you know, compulsory, lower optional, they're on the competitive team and the gyms have a nutritionist come in and talk to the girls or their elite track and their parents hire a nutritionist, personal trainer or whatever like the number one message that these gymnasts get is all about clean eating and no sugar and restriction. And while I understand the the mindset and the intention behind this, I can say how this actually pans out is it only creates a really 
distorted relationship with food and body. And if anything, it causes these gymnasts to binge and sneak. And when they get their licenses and when they go to college and when they have a lot more autonomy, um, it can create lifelong um, health complications because of well-intentioned choices kind of in their younger years. So I think it's really important that you feed your family all the same, right? And I understand that some of your kids are going to be pickier or they may have a specific medical needs and that's fine. Um, but please don't put your gymnast on a diet because it's not going to work. And honestly, they really do probably need more than almost anyone else in your household. And we know from the research that long-term underfueling actually leads to negative body composition adaptations. And so if you as a parent have been told that you need to control your gymnast body, that you need to watch what you feed them because you need to keep them small and you need to keep them lean. That is just a bucket full of lies. You need to feed them adequately to support normal growth and development so that they can progress through puberty at a normal and sustainable rate. Otherwise you're setting them up for massive um, weight regain and overshoot during the catch-up growth that inevitably will happen. Um, And this is what we see all the time in the elite world, right? Um, I was at Winter Cup a couple of years ago, sitting with a client's parents, and we were watching the like the junior session. And I told this mom, I was like, I promise you that we will not see, you know, probably 70 or 80% of these kids at senior elite. Why? Because almost all of them are so massively underfueled for how much they're doing in the gym that they're going to end up injured and they're going to have to drop back to level 10. They're going to get so injured that they have to quit the sport. Um, or through all of that, they're going to get so burnt out because when you're training that underfueled, it is not fun. It is miserable and they're not going to reach their big goals and dreams. And so if your gymnast is serious about staying in this sport and doing it as long as she wants to, you have to do your job as a parent to make sure that you're feeding her adequately. And when you as a parent are timely with your meals and snacks, um, your gymnast will have a more predictable hunger pattern. And when you stock the kitchen with foods that contribute to nutrition in their diet, Um, It's going to be easier for them to listen to their bodies. And at the same time, the both of you need to educate yourselves about fueling the gymnast, which is very different than just healthy eating, because there will be a lot of times where they're going to have to eat anyways. And honestly, that's just kind of the unsexy side of sports nutrition. So with that, I I hope this episode was helpful, kind of a a musings reflective type episode today. Um, But please send me your questions. I love hearing from you all. Um, I, I know that, you know, a lot of families struggle with this. So if they are, you may be too, and I hope you find this helpful. And if you want more support, I would encourage you to check out, um, the balance gymnast program. This is our three month live program for female level five through 10 and elite gymnasts, where I teach you everything you need to know about fueling your gymnasts for optimal performance and longevity in the sport with a ton of coaching support and accountability, um, and the, the opportunity to work with me one-on-one. So with that, um, you'll find some resources in the show notes. As always, if you are enjoying these free episodes, I would really appreciate it if you could rate and review um, over on iTunes. That is a great way to help spread this podcast to other gymnasts and parents who I know are probably wondering about the things that you are as well. So with that, I will talk with you guys next week. Bye for now. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Gymnast Nutritionist Podcast sponsored by the Balanced Gymnast Method course. Make sure to hit the subscribe or follow button so you don't miss out on any episodes. You can find any links that we mentioned in the show notes of the episode and also how you can work with us. 
If you're looking to learn to fuel your gymnast for optimal performance without the stress or overwhelm, feel free to email us. If you have any questions, you can reach us at support at christinaandersonrdn.com. Share what's going on and we'll get back to you. Or you can learn more about our programs by going to our website, christinaandersonrdn.com slash work with us. Bye for now.